Welcome to Fading Memories, a podcast with advice, wisdom, and hope from caregivers who have lived the experience and survived to tell the tale. Think of us as your caregiver best friend. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to add Fading Memories in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Do you wish there was a way to learn to be happier? you're in luck. If you care for a loved one with Alzheimer's, you could be eligible for the LEAF study. Researchers at Northwestern University and the University of California, San Francisco are testing an online positive emotion skill building program to help caregivers cope with stress. Today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Judith Moskowitz, who is in charge of the study. She tells us many ways to learn to be happier with and without her study. I learned many new positive coping techniques just from our conversation, and that gives me the confidence to know that you will learn many positive things in this episode today as well. I'm excited today to introduce Judy Moskowitz, she is going to be talking to us about positive coping skills for caregivers. And it's slightly different than your general self-care topics that we hit upon. She's got a research program that actually trains you on how to shift your thinking into positive gear. So thanks for joining me, Judy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Cool. So why don't we just jump in and have you... Tell us about yourself and your program. Yeah, happy to. So this work started for me. So I'm, I'm trained as a social psychologist and my expertise is in stress and coping and emotion. And I started my career studying how people cope with stress. So, um, you know, when something difficult happens, as it does to all of us constantly, <laughs> when something difficult happens, what do you do to cope with that? So how do you feel better? Um, and we were doing a study of men caring for their partners with AIDS. This was the early to mid 1990s. So before the treatments were more effective. So it ended up being a study of the stress of caregiving as well as the stress of bereavement because many of the partners died. Um, and early on in the study, the caregivers, and we were, we were asking about what's stressful about this, what's stressful about caregiving, and how are you coping with it? And then that would be the end of the interview. And they they said, you know, you're not asking us about the good things. And we want to talk about that. And, you know, we <laughs> first were sort of surprised. What do you mean good things? Yeah. This is horrific. Like, this is some of the worst stress a human can experience. But they said, no, there are good things going on. And so we added a question where we asked them um, to tell us about something positive and meaningful that happened in the past week that helped them get through a day. And they almost, in almost every single interview, and we did hundreds of them, the participants could come up with something positive that happened recently that helped them get through a day. And they were small things like 
a beautiful sunset or a walk on the beach or making a, a meal that their partner enjoyed. So they weren't, you know, winning the lottery or, you know, finding a cure for cancer. Like they were, they were little everyday things. And by focusing on them and experiencing them and talking about them, they were able to then that helped them cope better with the stress of the caregiving or the bereavement. So based on that finding and then some other research that was coming out in the literature and some more work that we did, we decided that we wanted to put together a program that helped people experience more positive emotion on a daily basis, which then would help them cope with whatever type of stress they're coping with. And that's how our study of um, or this program of skills for um, caregivers came about. That sounds awesome. And do you find that this applies to most people, all people? Because I know I tend, I tend to run on the negative pessimistic side. I do have mm -hmm. to stop sometimes and think, you know, wait, what do you have to be grateful for? and look for positive things. <laughs> right. I learned, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, a long time ago, to one of the ways to shift your thinking is to start your day with gratitudes. Like, you know, hey, I got up, <laughs> you know? That's, that's a positive mm -hmm. start to your day, or I really enjoyed mm -hmm. this breakfast, or even little things. But the people that you were talking to, did they general, was it a big enough portion of society that, you would have people like me that tended to be kind of negative? Yes. So, I mean, the, the, the idea for doing this program came about because we were just observing what people do to cope better with the stress. And they were, some of them were doing these things naturally. So they were noticing positive events and they were expressing gratitude or they were engaging in acts of kindness. So they, some people do these naturally, and there's uh, there are definitely individual differences in what kinds of things you do and what works for you, and and what you do naturally. Um, and and the, so what what we did with our program was we put together a package of skills because not everything's going to work for everybody. So like you said, gratitude might be the thing that really works for you, whereas you know noticing positive events or mindful awareness or positive reappraisal, one of the other skills that we teach might just not be your thing. And that's fine. You just need to find one of, we, we, you know, we ask people to try all the skills that we're teaching and we usually teach eight to try each of them for a week or so and see what feels right. And then pick the one that they're going to do because the most important thing is to do it. So this isn't like a course of antibiotics where you, you know, you do it for 10 days and then you're fixed, right? This is more like physical activity. So you've got to keep engaging in these practices and make them habits so that they can have a lasting effect on your well-being. That makes sense. It'd be nice if we could just, you know, do it for a couple of weeks and be cured, but unfortunately that's not how the world works. I know. I know. I have found same thing with getting in shape, right? Oh, for if sure. If you could yeah, just that's run a for a day, that'd be great and then be done with it. But no, that's not how it works. I definitely found that in 2020, I had to learn more coping skills and then more on top of that. And just because for everybody, 2020 was, it was difficult. And I, we moved and my mom died and the dog died. <laughs> it's mm. just like, you know, right. by the end of 2020, I was like, none of my coping skills are working anymore. So I just had to maybe retweak them a little bit and that helped, but it mm -hmm. was, it's 
definitely learning as many techniques as possible is very beneficial because, you know, there might be a day when your mindfulness trick doesn't work and being grateful for something or, I don't know, I guess they have these new places where you go smash things or they did when we could go places. That's something I'd be interested in doing occasionally. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that, you know, and if that works for you and it doesn't hurt anybody else, then that should be fine, right? Yeah, and I I think, you know, 2020 in particular has been challenging for the globe. (laughs) (laughs) The globe, yes. Yeah, and, you know, on top of the regular life stuff that is really hard and and you're absolutely right the the types of things that are the types of coping skills that might get you through one situation might not apply in another context so it's helpful to have a whole toolbox of things that you can draw on um if one isn't working for you or it just gets old or you're tired of it you can try something different and then maybe that will then have more of an impact for you what uh, skills do you guys focus on in your program? So we have eight skills um, in the current program that we're we're teaching for um, Alzheimer's caregivers. We have noticing positive events. So that's what we learned from the AIDS caregivers years ago. It's just, you know, particularly when you're under stress, it can be hard to notice the good things that are going on you know, humans have evolved to pay attention to the negative stuff because that's adaptive. Like we need to know if that tiger's coming at us, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've, we, we've evolved to, to pay attention to that. So this ability to notice the good things that are happening, even if everything else is falling apart, um, can help you maintain your positive emotion in the midst of really difficult circumstances. So that's skill number one, noticing positive events. And then Related to that is savoring or capitalizing. So this is revisiting the event later, telling someone about it, putting it in your journal, even just thinking about it can help um, increase the impact of that positive event. It gives you a hit of positive emotion again. Um, The third skill is gratitude, which you already mentioned. It's noting and it, you know, it's related. All these skills are sort of interrelated. So it's a, it's sort of another version of positive events or noticing positive events. It's noticing the good things in your life that you can be grateful for. The next skill is mindful awareness. So the ability to sort of be in the moment and, and not judging how you're feeling or what you're experiencing, Um, which I think, you know, that, that skill actually is sort of a, it might be synergistic with the other skills. So the more mindful you are, the more you're going to notice things that you're grateful for. I learned a mindfulness Um, trick right when my mom ended up in the hospital and I was trying to make what felt like life and death decisions. Do we do surgery to fix her broken Mm -hmm. leg? If we do that, you know, will the anesthesia negatively impact her broken brain because she was in advanced Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's? Mm -hmm. And I literally felt myself just spinning up and I knew what was coming. I was going to have a meltdown, then an argument with the husband, which would have then just perpetuated the negative. And thankfully for me and the hubby, secondarily, I had just (laughs) talked to a mindfulness coach for the podcast. And one of the things Mm. he said was when you feel these negative emotions is to stop and say, oh, Hello. And in my particular case that day, it was like, hello, anger. Why are you mm-hmm. feeling angry? And as I asked myself that question and it was like in within 30 seconds, I realized the reason that I felt the way I felt was because I was trying to do the best possible job for my mom. 
trying to make the best possible mm-hmm. decision for my mom. So literally in under a minute, I went from about to explode and cause upsetted, unhappy, negative nastiness to myself and to my husband because he's the only other human in the house to feeling really good about myself. And I am mm-hmm. not a mindfulness woo-woo person. <laughs> All right. And so that we're um, trained to like ignore or, you know, press down the suppress. negative feelings. Yeah, mm-hmm. suppress. There you go. Mm-hmm. Suppress the negative mm-hmm. feelings. Pretend they're not happening. You know, it's like, oh, it's okay. My mom's in the hospital at the beginning of a pandemic and I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. No, 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 no. Just I I was shocked that literally just accepting the fact that I was upset and angry and asking myself, why are you angry and getting the answer? Because I'm trying to do the best job for my mom possible. It was like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally was a mental deep breath. So I am all about that one now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's really a skill you can develop. So sometimes it can be a little challenging. So like you said, especially in the midst of a lot of emotions and a lot of high intensity to sort of be in the moment and realizing what's going on as opposed to trying to push it away. But it is a skill that you can develop through like, you know, mindful breathing exercises. We do some, um, sort of uh, ways to be mindful in your daily activities. So like when you're brushing your teeth or when you're Um, you know, driving somewhere if you are leaving your house, for example. (laughs) Um, But it is a skill that you can, you can get, you can both with practice um, and it can be just tremendously beneficial. Fortunately, we had a lot of practice time last year. Right. So after mindfulness, you got four more skills. After mindfulness. So um, the next skill is positive reappraisal. Um, And this comes from, um, the fact that the way you interpret what's going on around you, the way you appraise it in terms of its significance for your well-being influences your emotions. So the event that you just described to me, although you were definitely using mindfulness, you were also using positive reappraisal. So let me see. Tell me if this sounds right to you. So you were faced with several multiple challenges and sort of no good um, no good way out of it. No good. None of, none of the options seemed like they would be good. So you were experiencing anger and frustration and you were going to have a meltdown. Yep. Um, because it was that bad. And when you were able to, again, this is how the skills are sort of synergistic, take sort of a moment and be aware of what you were feeling. And you were able to identify, I'm feeling anger and label that and why, and you're like, because I'm trying to do the best that I can, which is the reappraisal which immediately sort of took down the temperature of your emotional reaction in that moment. So, you know, initially it was, there is no good solution here. This is horrible. I'm going to have a meltdown. I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible (laughs) caregiver. I'm a terrible daughter. I'm a terrible spouse. Right. So all that was probably uh, there, not too far below the surface, but when you were able to take a moment and reappraise it, do a positive reappraisal, think about it in a slightly more positive way. Like, I'm not all those terrible things. I'm actually a really great daughter and I'm doing the best that I can, which immediately made you feel better, right? Yep. So that's a positive reappraisal. It's a really, again, it's a skill that takes some work um, and some practice to sort of be able to, to do it because it's often, you know, it's hard. Your initial appraisal is your, <laughs> it's how you're seeing things and it's not always easy to change that. Um but with some practice, usually with sort of lower stakes things, we have people start with tiny, minor stressful <laughs> events, not like major, you know, 
reappraise your entire difficult childhood or something like that. So no, we start, we start small, you misplaced your keys and you're really frustrated. So if you start with that and then you positively reappraise it, um, it can, it can, you can sort of build up that, that muscle and that ability to, um, reappraise things. And, and then you end up with more positive emotion as a result. Yeah. In that moment, it was literally, I was walking across the living room and I was, and I was literally like, I could feel it. I knew like, the volcanic explosion was coming. It was about to happen. And I don't know if it was his words were in my head. I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but it was like, stop. And I literally stopped walking, closed my eyes and said, why are you angry? And Mm -hmm. I got my answer. And I know part of it too was I felt because I was the one making the decision. I was also the one that was going to get any blame if the decision was wrong and there, right. there wasn't a right We're all decision. responsible. Yeah. Yeah. So it right. was just, you know, I'm just so grateful that I had talked to him because that I know how that, that would have just been, that was lunchtime ish, early lunchtime, late morning, early afternoon, mm-hmm. the whole rest of the day and night would have just been terrible. And I didn't need right. that on top of my mom being in the hospital and this pandemic starting and no, so I was really glad yeah. that I learned yeah. that skill. And I've told people I'm not like a mindfulness person. I, you know, I cannot sit and quietly be in my own mind because that makes me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I want to hear my own thoughts. There, yeah, there, the there. I know, right? Yeah, it it has never been my personal favorite either. But uh, you know, honestly, in the past year with the pandemic, <laughs> I've been doing more um, mindfulness practice, and it's been really helpful. You're kind of stuck. It you can know, be really beneficial. If you only have one person in your household to talk to and they're not helping, then you don't have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Right. So, You're stuck with yourself, right? Yeah. So you better <laughs> find your own answers, which is what most of us had to do. Okay. So we got positive. Right. Was that reaffirmation? Positive reappraisal. Reappraisal. Okay. Reappraisal. It's it's like cognitive reframing in the cognitive behavioral therapy world. So um, similar to that, but yeah, positive reappraisal. Okay. Um, then the next skill is, um, noticing your personal strengths. So this, this is, um, again, sort of when you're experiencing stress, it's sometimes hard to see what kind of personal strengths or resources you have to bring to the situation. So this is about taking a moment and seeing that there sort of are good things about you. So again, I see some of that in the situation you described as well. Like I'm actually a good daughter and I'm doing a good job. I'm really trying here. So those were strengths with you. You're, you know, persistent, thoughtful, loving, caring, you know, so like there are lots of things like that. So this, in this skill, we help people sort of realize the strengths that they do have. um, And then the ways that those can help them cope with the stress. Related to that, and th- but but also um, sort of a shift is uh, attainable goal setting. Um, and for some people, this is just as natural as you know breathing, right? It's um, uh, you know based on on research showing that when you feel like you're making progress toward a goal, that you have more positive emotion. It doesn't you don't even have to attain the goal, but if you're making progress, so if you're able to cross things off your list that gives you a hit of positive emotion and, and helps you cope better with the situation. Love so I am absolutely, I know sometimes do you, even if you wasn't on your list and you do something, do you write it on your list and then cross it off? Um, sometimes, sometimes I do that. 
I had sometimes two, I do that just to get that hit of positive emotion, right? I had two items on my to-do list yesterday afternoon. And after two and a half hours on Zoom and feeling like a zombie and my brain was putting, I, I just literally wanted to take a nap. And I knew if I did that, I wouldn't get those two items done. We're talking two hours tops and it was 2.30. So I had, you know, good couple hours to take care of the two hour tasks. So I went for a walk in the sunshine. And when I got back, one of the tasks required me to start another task, which wasn't on the list. But by the end of the evening, because dinner was later than general, um, because my husband had um, had had to actually leave the house and meet a client. It was like, oh, well, I re-energized myself with sunshine, a brisk walk, you know, really short, like 15 minutes. And I tackled extra. So I was like, I, I was feeling really good about myself last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even that that walk that you took outside, if you had put that on your list at the beginning of the day, <laughs> then you could have crossed it off and that would have would made you feel like you're being progress. And this it's actually something that I started doing early on in the pandemic is, you know, my daily my daily list had been work related before that. So even, but even though I was working from home throughout the pandemic, I started adding things in like get outside twice. So uh, to my list cuz that, you know, helps in other ways too. But that again, that gave me something else to cross off my list which made me feel good. Good. Yeah. So the the attainable goals portion of the program we really help people sort of follow the smart goals framework so you know is it specific is it measurable is it actionable is it realistic and is it time bound so really helping people go from i want to um you know what i I was used i don't know why curing cancer so like that's (laughs) too big a goal for most of us like today i'm going to cure cancer um so you need to break break that down into more manageable pieces. Um, conversely, you also don't want the goal to be too easy because then there's no chant like you today. I'm going to breathe for most <laughs> of us, not everyone, but for most of us, like that's easy. Right. That makes sense. Um, so, so like we, we, when we have um, a facilitator teaching these skills, they can help the people um, sort of narrow them down and make them um attainable so that they're more likely to get this positive emotion as a result. In that um, attainable skills, does that include in the training, like tracking how long certain things take? Because for some reason, and I'm not entirely sure what happened, November was a disaster. (laughs) I started November 2nd with my schedule getting blown to smithereens just for that one day. But the rest of the month, it never got better. And it was like, never caught up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was making changes and trying to do different things. And I think it was all cumulative. I'm sure it was all cumulative. And so just kind of out of um, what's the right word, kind of self-preservation, I started tracking how Mm -hmm. long certain items take. And I assumed, for example, that the email that I send out to my subscribers, it's not it's not long there. It's it's the same format every week. It's basically kind of like plug in the information, write out my thoughts and send it to the guy that schedules it. So I'm like, Oh, I looked at my watch one day. I'm like, I got half an hour between now. And I guess it was probably like half, half, half past the hour. So I'm like, Oh, I should be done with this by two o'clock. And the next thing I know it was like two 20 and I was just about wrapping up. And I'm like, this doesn't take me half an hour. This takes closer to an hour. And so now I know these emails take an hour, not half an hour. So now I've, I've, 
I'm not trying to, I haven't gained that half an hour, but I'm not, I have gained, I've, well, I've lost the expectation that I have that half an hour. One of the things yes. I'm trying to do with my life is, you know, because I've worked from home for 16 years and there's very little to do besides work and eat and watch TV. <laughs> there's hobbies that I take participate in on the weekend that take a lot of time. And so I am trying to structure my day so that I have a little more time in the afternoons, early evenings, to maybe dabble a little bit in my hobby, which mm -hmm. worked yesterday. Mm -hmm. So right. Positive, right. which positive is an attainable steps. goal. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So we, we don't go into quite that much detail. Like you're saying, you know, actually time tracking the things that you're doing and adjusting that. Um, but there are, you know, entire goal setting programs that, you know, if you really, really liked this skill, you could go deep. We, we were a little bit more sort of intro level in terms of setting attainable goals. Then the last skill that we do in, in this particular, in our current program for, for caregivers is self-compassion. And again, that's what I'm hearing when you talk about sort of adjusting your expectations for how long things are going to take or how much you're going to be able to get done. I'm hearing self-compassion. So it's basically cutting yourself some slack, treating yourself like you would treat a friend who is in the same situation. So uh, a, a really helpful way to think about practicing self-compassion is if a friend were experiencing what you're currently experiencing, what would you say to them? Because the way we talk to ourselves is often much harsher than we would talk to a friend. We're very self-critical and hard on ourselves. Whereas if a friend were going through the same thing, we would be much more supportive and much more compassionate. So that's what this self-compassion training does is sort of help you cut yourself some slack. That's important. Mm -hmm. I, I did. Yeah, learn, it's really important. I learned last year also, and I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe it was just forced because of the pandemic, but was to acknowledge when like a coping technique wasn't working. Like after the dog died, this dog was my shadow. My husband referred to him as my stalker. And I mean, he was geriatric. It wasn't, it was only a surprise because he literally went from fine one day to what the hell happened the next, which mm -hmm. is not uncommon in geriatric, you know, age for people or dogs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my husband, you know, being male, it's like, well, why don't you go do X or why don't you, you know, you enjoy making your greeting cards, go do that. And it was like, I don't want to because the dog's not upstairs with me. And it was just like, I, one day I literally stopped and I said, none of my coping techniques are working. And I'm not sure I have the coping skills to come up with another coping skill. Like, just leave mm -hmm. me alone. And so I just, just acknowledging that yeah. mindfulness, the positive thinking, the being grateful, none of that was working that helped too. So. Yeah. And that's a really important point and something that we try to emphasize throughout the program. So this is not about just fake, like you're happy or, you know, no matter what's going on, pretend it's not bad and just put a smile on your face yeah. and it'll all be fine. You know, it's not Pollyanna. It's really, um, you know, and, and we talk about, you know, toxic positivity and this sort of brute force, just, you know, pretend like it's all fine. That is not what this is about. This is based in science and research. And we know that people who are experiencing really extreme stress, all kinds of life stress 
can also experience positive emotion, positive things alongside it. And that's what these skills help you to do. So it's not going to make your loved one's dementia go away. That's still going to be there. It's not going to make the fact that your dog died not true, right? And you're still going to have all those negative emotions. But what it will do is, is help you bring in more positive emotion alongside those negative emotions because you can experience both, right? So yeah. And sometimes nothing you do is going to work. And that's just, you know, life, you accept it and you move on. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And then you can, you know, maybe go back and say, well, you know, I haven't tried positive reappraisal or I haven't tried attainable goal setting. And today I'm going to do one thing <laughs> and it's going to be walk around the block. And that's my one thing that I'm going to do. And when I do it, I'll be like, oh, I did one thing. Right. And maybe you'll feel just a tiny bit better. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah, it's it's just it's really important that we're not talking about pretending like everything's fine because it's not. Well, I see a lot in caregiver circles, people innocently and, you know, with no no harm intended. They're like, you can do it. It just hang in there. And sometimes I really cringe when I hear that because I'm like, you know, this person is doing 75, 80% of the care of their loved one alone, you know, yeah, they have some help or family comes in or whatever, but you know, they're kind of hanging on the, they're hanging on by the knot and the knots coming undone. And maybe it goes back to me being a bit on the pessimistic side. But when I hear that, I, I, I would rather say, you're right. This, this is hard. This sucks. This never seems like it's ever going to end. And you know, the only way it's going to end is when somebody dies. So that's not really a positive thing. Right. So tell right. me a little bit about toxic positivity. Cause we also, when you said that it kind of cracked me up cause there was a trainer at the gym that I used to go to back when that was a thing. And she would, Oh, she hated it. If you didn't smile while you're working out, which makes me crazy. Cause you know, right. not smiling because I'm working hard to strengthen my body. <laughs> it's like, it's right. not fun. Right. Right. So what exactly is toxic positivity? Because that almost seems like an oxymoron. I know, right? So, um, and that maybe that's not the right term to use. So what we don't want is to just give the message that this is easy. If you would just smile, it'll all be fine, right? Or it can end up if you aren't able to do that. So you're like, I'm smiling and it (laughs) still hurts. Like, this is still bad. You can end up blaming yourself. And it's sort of blaming the victim kind of thing. Like I can't, I mean, you see this particularly in serious illnesses like cancer. So people who have cancer and they're like, I haven't been able to think my way out of this. <laughs> I can't think positively enough and I'm still getting worse and it must be my fault. Right. So that is, that's toxic positivity. Right. So that just makes it worse. Like this idea that, you know, the mind influences the body and If you just do all these positive things to have more positive emotion, you'll live forever. (laughs) It's, it's a little more complicated than that. I mean, the way I think about it is these skills can help you have more positive emotion on a daily basis. So it can increase your well-being. So you'll feel better. It may have downstream effects on your physical health. We don't, the studies aren't in yet on the actual, you know, interventions where you teach people these positive skills and see if they live longer. We know that people who naturally have more positive emotion, live longer, but we don't know if we can, you know, dial it up in people. Like if we can give them a program to do that, I'd like to be able to do that study someday. Um, 
but right now we're at the phase where we're we're showing that we can teach people these skills they can learn them they can understand them they can practice them and it makes their emotion increases their emotional well-being so they feel better um also decreases depression decreases feelings of caregiving burden so they're uh, you know subjective outcomes but that's uh the gold standard as far as i'm concerned if you feel better if you're a caregiver experiencing all this stress but you're feeling better then that's that can only be a good thing right well it's better it makes you a better caregiver that too yes and i'm yeah. not a huge fan of pharmaceuticals because i think that's almost a slippery slope for a lot of people regardless like my dad ended up on 25 different medications for all of his chronic illnesses and then to me that's just prescription soup you know it's like a swamp of drugs so that's that's my biggest reason for being wary of using medication to take care of a problem and i know there's a lot of people that need antidepressants just so they don't harm themselves but if you can have better outcomes just by reframing your thoughts and learning better techniques first off pharmaceuticals aren't cheap so to me right, that's right. that's an important thing is i like natural my that's yeah my little and i bit think of that's, mindfulness. that's absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean and that's absolutely an individual choice i would never tell someone that they should do this program instead of going on antidepressants absolutely right. not but yeah. alongside the antidepressants great or maybe you want to try this first if you're not so depressed that you you know urgently need to go on antidepressants and so and i think it's really an individual decision definitely and maybe your program would enable somebody to go on less of a dose of medication you know there's all it's yeah everybody's we, we actually have uh, it, well yeah and in, in in one of our research studies um where we tested this program in people newly diagnosed with hiv we found that um you know at the at the start of the study before the intervention group learned these skills they were at about it was like 17 or 18 percent of them were on antidepressants so this is self-reported but at that point the both in the intervention group and the control group they were both at about 18 percent then 15 months later the the intervention group learned the skills over about six weeks and then we you know did follow up 15 months later the intervention group still about 17 18 percent were on antidepressants in the control group the people who didn't learn the skills 35 percent of them were on antidepressants Ooh. so again you know it wasn't one of our primary outcomes we didn't it was self-reported but maybe the people who didn't learn the people who learned the skills were able to sort of maintain their level of well-being you know and, and if they were on antidepressants they stayed on them but there was a the control group there was a big increase in the number of people who went on antidepressants over time so it's suggestive that these skills can be helpful for your mental health so how did you shift this program from researching caregivers for people with hiv to alzheimer's despite i mean i think i know one yeah. answer is because we do have treatments for hiv i guess i don't know if that's the right word yeah yeah so i mean hiv is now much more a chronic illness I did start my work in the area of HIV, both, you know, HIV caregivers, as well as people who themselves had HIV. So that's where my work started, but it isn't an HIV specific program. It's a general coping with stress program. So we've really, we've, we've um, tailored the program to many different kinds of stress. So 
um, women with metastatic breast cancer, people with type 2 diabetes, people with elevated depression, high school students. We're currently looking at, and and our first caregivers, uh, first dementia caregiver study was all kinds of dementia caregivers. And now we're focusing in on Alzheimer's caregivers specifically, but the program's the same. You know, it's really, it's not about, you know, how do you handle this type of problematic behavior or, you know, how do you manage the medications or that kind of thing? It's how, how are you coping with stress and the skills that you learn can apply to any kind of stress you're experiencing. We did develop a program for coping with the pandemic, so more a general public program. So it's really that that this is a um, it's a general coping skills program that we've applied in specific types of stress groups, including the Alzheimer's caregivers. Makes sense. Seems like all of us should take this program. <laughs> I think so. Yes. <laughs> I know I've benefited from learning new coping skills and and my mom is gone. So my coping skills was just getting through 2020 and losing mom, losing the dog, moving pandemic. And I'm a planner. And when you can't plan what's happening tomorrow or next week, that's really stressful. Right. Right. And that's one of your coping skills taken away from you, right? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I like to be able to plot out, you know, what I'm going to do when and where I'm going to go. And I, I like to keep it. I mean, it's, it's a loose scheduling, but it, that allows me to get everything done. But when you're like, well, I can work or I can work more or I can do nothing. <laughs> it's just like everything is either in this one room or in this house. Ugh, yeah. Last year was a challenge for all of yeah. us. And we're still a little bit continuing, yeah. but yeah. the light, I heard a good statement today is we can see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, even though the tunnel is really long, at least it's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like, yeah, I think that's true. What I'm hearing from you is you're teaching people how to see a light at the end of a long tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really nice way to put it. Yeah. So sort of on a daily basis, if we're able to increase hope or relief or happiness or joy or, you know, any of those positive emotions, um, I think I would, I would consider our program a success. Well, where can people find out about your program? Yes. So um, for Alzheimer's caregivers, they can go to leafstudy, L-E-A-F-S-T-U-D-Y dot U-C-S-F dot E-D-U. Um, and I assume we could, we could drop some that, drop that link in your, uh, exactly in the show notes, notes so people yeah. can see it there. Great. So leaf Great. Study, yeah. So that's leafstudy at U-C-S-F dot U-C-S-F. Not okay. even at. So yeah. Leafstudy dot U-C-S-F dot E-D-U. And that goes to a description and there's a, a button on that page that you can click and, and see if you're eligible to be in the study. Where do you, so if somebody's not eligible for one reason or another, where would you suggest people go and search out the same kind of knowledge and training? So um, they can find out more. So we've got, we do have a program. So if, I mean, if they're Alzheimer's caregivers, we really want them to go to the LEAF study. So that's because that's a, the research study. We want Alzheimer's caregivers in there. So we don't want people who would be eligible to that to go learn the skills somewhere else. So do the research the, study the first. The study is more than deluxe. Do the research study first. And it's more of a deluxe version. I think you get a little more if you do the LEAF study. So there's that. Um, we do have a sort of a general public version that's it's self-guided online. Um, 
and I'll have to send you the link to that because I don't have that one memorized. Um, but that one we can we can put in the show notes as well. Sounds terrific. So is there any last suggestion you have for people on how they can have more positive coping skills between listening to this and maybe participating in the research program? Yeah, I think just the, just the realization that even if things are really stressful, there are moments of positive emotion and there are moments of joy and to look for those. And those those moments provide you some respite, um, even if it's just a moment, um, but it can be really helpful. So yeah, just just knowing that you can experience positive emotion alongside the negative emotions that that come with the stress of being a caregiver. I learned to not to take things too, too, too seriously, which is a little counter to my personality. A, a story that I don't tell terribly often. My mom had not been in the memory care residence too long. I was taking her out to get her nails done and her shirt was a little bit too big and it slipped off her shoulders. And I remember glancing over at her going, huh, wonder whose black sports bra that is you're wearing. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I could have flipped out and said, you know, why is she wearing some, I don't know who's, I have no clue whose bra it was. I yeah, where that came from. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it came from. I don't know where hers were. I didn't like rush back into her room and dig through her drawers to see if, if her bras were present. I mean, it just was like, you know what? It is not going to make a difference in the world if she's wearing somebody else's bra. I mean, you right. know, it just, okay. it just, you know, you could have gone down the whole negative, like, ooh, ick, or, you know, mm-hmm. we just bought her all these new, you know, new garments. And, you know, you, you could have gone in a lot of different negative directions. And I just chose to look at it yeah. with a, huh, that's kind of weird and very strange. And we'll just keep going to the nail place. Right, right. And, you know, that's a positive reappraisal. There you go again. So you saw her in the black sports bra. Your initial appraisal was, Whose bra is she wearing? This is, ooh, you know, that's disgusting. And then you reappraised it as, actually, this is kind of funny. (laughs) Where would she get a bra? Like, and and it's actually not that big a deal. So that was your reappraisal, which helped you laugh at it instead of going down that sort of darker path that you talked about that you could have gone down. Yeah, because, you know, in the memory care residence, it wasn't unusual for them to share clothes, especially my mom hung out. My mom's name was Diane. And she hung out with two other Dianes, which was a humorous in itself and confusing as hell. (laughs) (laughs) So every so often I'd see one of them and they weren't exactly the same size. So sometimes you'd Mm -hmm. see my mom in like this oversized sweater and I'd be like, I don't think that's yours. And and then the other belongs to another Diane. Yeah. yeah, And it was just like, you know, they're dressed, they're clean. It's fine. It's like, you know, yeah, my mom would freak out if she knew what was going on, but she doesn't. So it's fine. You know, it's just sometimes you just have to let a lot of those, I'm not sure they're little things, medium things just go because there's a lot of big things you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. So that's the one mm-hmm. thing I learned as being a caregiver yeah. is just sometimes, sometimes you just got to go with it because there's bigger fights yeah. that are going to happen. So <laughs> this has been fantastic. I really yeah, appreciate sure. it. And you're, re- you're reaffirming that my negative self is, I've mellowed with age, I like to tell people. And so you're reaffirming that that's true. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're doing just fine. <laughs> it's a little easier now that I don't have Jerry, you know, geriatric dog, Alzheimer's mom. I just have to deal with myself and the husband right now and mm-hmm. the pandemic, which is, seems like it's, it's almost ending because he's getting vaccinated this week because he drives for meals on wheels. Congratulations. 
Yeah, yeah I'm probably July, but whatever. I've worked from home for 16 years. It is what it is. It's one you of those. Can, you can make it a few more, few more months. Yeah. yeah, I don't go anywhere, anything. So there's no place to go. I don't worry about it. So it's all good. Just yeah. keep our vacation in Taipei, which is part of a convention, is probably not going to happen. Oh, Hawaii yeah. convention didn't happen last year, but instead of being <clears> like, here we go again and getting all negative, it's just like, you know what? There are plenty of places in the United States to visit. We will manage to go someplace this year. Yep. We didn't get to go anywhere last year. So even if I get to go to San Francisco, it's an improvement. <laughs> and San Francisco is about 50 it's miles true. west yeah. of me. It's not like it's even far. You could jump on a train and get there in an right. hour. So, but yeah. But when was the last time you were there? I cannot remember. It's been over 18 months, I think. And today yeah. is January 26th. So by the time people hear this, it will be even longer, but that's okay. Yeah. It, it hasn't gone anywhere and it'll just be that much better when we get to actually go. That's, that's the other thing I'm thinking of because it's not, that's right. You know, we don't go a lot, but it'll just be extra special. So more positive yeah. thinking. That's another positive reappraisal. See, you do this naturally and you don't even uh, realize well, it. Yeah. So, yeah. I've worked on it. So see, for all the people who are listening, definitely go to the study because it is possible to retrain a negative, pessimistic personality into being more positive. Well, I hope after hearing this fantastic episode that you're feeling a little bit more positive about learning how to manage stress in a more hopeful, positive manner. You probably deduced from our conversation that I feel like I am a pessimistic person. Truth be told, all of my life, my mother told me that I would complain if I was hit with a new ax. I never really thought of myself as a complainer, but I did kind of self-evaluate my comments and how other people might be taking them. And that's one of the things that I was mentioning that I was working on. So again, Make sure to check out the show notes. There is a link to the study. All you have to do is scroll down and hit the hot link. And if it's not working on your podcast player, definitely head over to the website to this specific episode and you will be able to find it there. I think this is a fantastic opportunity for everybody, but it's definitely an opportunity that Alzheimer's caregivers should take advantage of. You can do it right from your home. If you're not Zoom savvy by now, well, it's still super easy. Coming up next week is kind of another episode on making yourself feel better. Did not intentionally put those two back to back, but you know, sometimes things happen for a reason. Again, I teased it a couple of episodes ago. It is on EFT, which stands for the Emotional Freedom Technique. And you're going to really, really enjoy that one. My guest, Teresa, takes you through a simple tapping routine that really is kind of interesting and very beneficial. So make sure that you are subscribed on any of your favorite podcast apps, or if you're an Apple podcast listener, I guess now it is follow. Podcasts are almost always free unless you pay for them in advance. This one is free. Coming up after this is a quick promo of a podcast from my friends over in the UK that I enjoy listening to. It is called Never a Straight Answer, and I think you might get a little fun out of listening to them. 
And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. Hey, why don't you listen to the Never A Straight Answer podcast? It's a podcast that aims to cover a wide range of topics from conspiracy theories to popular culture and news. I'm your host, Gaz, and joined each week, it's my co-host, Mr. Taylor. Well, hey, we look at strange happenings that go on around your area and a little segment we like to call What's Fucked Up Where You're From? Plus, we cover the big topics like cryptids, the Mothman, poltergeist, secret Nazi space programs, UFOs, close encounters, glitches in the Matrix, flat earth, time travel, plus so much more. We even have the occasional guest. Also, we've got international news, global affairs, including space. Space and beyond. So why not check out the Never A Straight Answer podcast? We're available on all podcast platforms from iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Or you can visit the website at neverastraightanswer.co.uk. I've been Gaz. I've been Taylor. Peace. Out.